Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. My name is Phil Crimmins, and today I'd like to jump right in with the first comment that comes from Heather Renfrew because it relates to the Phase 1 course and the Pronunciation Mastery course here at Mandarin Blueprint, which any of you are welcome to try on a free trial. Uh, we have a 14-day free trial, and uh, I'll have more to say about the length of time, but certainly uh, there's a lot that you can check out about the Mandarin Blueprint Method course if you've never seen it before in this 14-day trial. There's no credit card required. And so let's talk about what Heather's experience was because she gave a very detailed explanation of what she's gone through so far. So she says, Hall. I made it through phase one. After making it through phase one, I decided to check myself. I wanted to make sure I was actually understanding the method, hitting my goals, and still enjoying myself. I mostly understand the method. I've only had to quote unquote reshoot two scenes. One reshoot was because I just couldn't make myself put horns on Bob Marley for Ben. I still tend to add an extra prop here and there, but I'm making a real effort to stop doing that. Now, I'm just going to pause reading Heather's comment here because some of you, if you're new to the podcast, might be like, what on earth does this have to do with Mandarin? And so I would totally understand that. Um, we use a technique called the Henzi movie method to use mnemonic devices and use memory athletics, the the visualization techniques of world memory champions that help people remember random information but instead of applying it to random information we apply it to Chinese characters because Chinese characters are somewhat mathematical because the pronunciation is made up of opinion initial opinion final and a mandarin tone so those three together uh, can each be mapped onto something like a face a place and a room within that place that's how the that's a quick summary of how we do the pronunciation. And then the props are the objects that represent, represent the character components. And then how the, the person, the face, the place, the set, and the room within the set interact with the props is what the character means. So that's just a quick overview in case you're listening to that and going, what does that have? Like, what are you talking Bob Marley and a prop here and there? What are you talking about? So that's what she's referring to there. Now, Continuing, she says, so far, I've had no zero days. I hit Anki and Kajabi every day, Anki being the current flashcard software that we're using as of March 2021. We'll be probably changing to a new one soon. And Kajabi is the platform that uh, we run the actual video course on. She says, I've decided to drop the training wheels. I will no longer be writing any parts of my scenes down on paper. I mostly do the course or Kajabi while I'm on break at work. So it's convenient to write the info in my notebook and then put it in Anki the next day. I'm not in a hurry. So I've decided that even if I only make it to one character per break, I will put it in Anki instead of my notebook. I just figured out how to edit Anki on my cell phone app. It's actually easier than my desktop. So I just wanted to uh, make a point about this, which is that, you know, no zero days doesn't mean driving yourself crazy as Heather's getting across here. You could just have it be something that you throw in on your break at work. It's not something that has to be uh, overwhelming. And so this is great stuff from Heather. You just want to make sure that you don't have a day where nothing happens, where there's no improvement whatsoever. And um, 
as for writing scenes down on paper, that seems right to me. I mean, like, I I think if you get good enough at these techniques, you, you don't need to write them down. And uh, phase one, there's about 46 characters in phase one. So that was 46 practice runs. So you're definitely ready to take the training real training wheels off now and just use the visualizations in and of themselves to remember the meaning and writing and pronunciation and tone of the character. And that's, you know, if you didn't do that, then you're always going to be slowed down by the process of having to write things down. Whereas if you are able to get good at these techniques, you'll be able to remember them and get it done within like, say, 30 seconds, and you can just move on. And you'll be surprised at how well you remember them, especially as you get better at the script triggers and the special effects. I've been making my way through your podcasts on Spotify. I've made it through most of the recent episodes and all of the interviews. Over the last three nights, I made it through podcasts 1 through 25. I work in a high decibel environment, so one noise-canceling earbud underneath my earmuffs keeps me from being in my own head all night. I must say, your graciousness and patience are extraordinary. You answer so many of the same questions over and over again, and you're happy while you do it. I've gained quite a bit of info by checking out the podcasts. I'm glad you guys have kept doing them. So I'll just make a comment on this uh, paragraph, which is that, you know, of course, uh, it's cool that you're listening to the podcast. I'm glad you're listening to the back catalog. That's something that we definitely, you know, most people don't listen to the back catalog of podcasts. You know, it's like, when I discover a new podcast, I very rarely go back to the beginning and listen to it. Uh, although it's sometimes quite worth it. And when it's a learning podcast, it can be. And then regarding the point about answering the same questions over and over, you know, if there's one thing I've learned as an educator, it's that uh, repetition is pretty important, but you want to make the repetition interesting. So, well, on the one hand, for many people, it's not repetition because not everybody goes back and listens to the back catalog. So for many people, it's their first time. But sometimes you want to look at the same fact from several different angles before it really makes sense to you, especially when it comes to things like study motivation. So you want to talk about something like, say, habit building, how important it is. It's so essential towards your success with Mandarin, having these no zero days or zero days off to be a little bit, uh, you know, more uh, kind of pushing it versus sort of just not having zero. And these concepts are so important that it's well worth giving them several different discussions just because the repetition will eventually get through. We tend to be, you know, somewhat thick as humans. I don't mean that as in like stupid. What I mean is that like we get into our patterns of thinking. And so to bring in a new pattern of thinking, it, very rarely does somebody say one thing once and it really breaks through to the point where it's not just intellectually understood, but also emotionally understood. And that's once your emotions get in alignment with your intellect, that's when you can actually easily act on what is you know coming next. And uh, we're happy to do it. I love doing the podcast. It's uh, great to interact with everybody here. Finally, she says, I've been using your courses since January 25th. It took me 10 days to complete the pronunciation mastery course. It took me about four weeks to get through phase one. I'm delighted with my progress and I'm still having fun. Thank you both for all that you do. Heather Renfrew, and I like that she said, which means the plurals. It means she's saying hello and thank you to more than one person. As soon as you go above one person, you don't just say, you say, because is the plural indicator for people. So 
Uh, well done there, Heather, and you're clearly paying attention, especially because none as a character doesn't come up till level 15, so it means you've been just listening to the podcast and picked that one up. So well done. Um, and so uh, thanks to Heather. And, you know, Heather's comment here makes me think about this. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're on the free trial and you haven't purchased the Mandarin Blueprint Method course, tell me what you think of this. So at the moment, we do a 14-day free trial. And our thinking was, well, well, we'll make that same thing. The 14-day free trial of Pronunciation Mastery in Phase 1 will also make that the cheapest course. So it's $29 for that course. And so this way, if you're still not convinced after 14 days, you could just dip your toe in by paying for a $30 course. And then, you know, you can decide later whether you want to buy the full course. Um, however... Looking at Heather's response here, she said 10 days to complete pronunciation mastery and then four weeks to get through phase one. Uh, you could do it in less time if you had, you know, all your focus on it. But, um, of course, how often are people going to be able to and willing to commit so much time to only a 14-day free trial? So we've been thinking maybe we'll extend our free trial to 30 days so that it becomes totally possible to uh, finish the whole thing. And so, you know, it took her, uh, Heather a little bit longer than 30 days, but if we had said, it's a 30 day free trial and uh, you know, you can actually finish the courses within 30 days if you put some focus into it, maybe that would incentivize people. And then of course, what we want is just for people to realize that this is the best way to learn Chinese. And however long that takes is how long it takes. It's, you know, it's not so important that it happen, you know, within two weeks. So what do you guys think? Should we extend the free trial for phase one and pronunciation mastery to 30 days? Uh, if you think that that's a good idea, let us know. Next, we have Jadidja Bourgeoisie on Simple Final O, introduction with O. Now, this question is about the character O. Jadidja says, what is the proper tone for O, meaning O? I think it's fourth, but not sure. And then uh, he or she gives a few examples of where she's here. She's getting contradictory information about what the tone is. And so it can be pretty much every tone. I don't really ever hear it as third tone, but it can be pretty much every tone depending on the context. And it, just think of this as like Chinese people were already making mouth noises to express certain like understanding, like, oh. I understand now, or, or, oh, like, I understand, but it's a little bit more profound, or, um, oh, like, uh, kind of understand, but slight, in, you know, sort of uh, inquisitiveness about it or whatever. And these are sounds that were already being made, and so there needed to be some kind of character to represent that, but it's not really a word. It's more of an expression, and usually it's an expression of kind of understanding suddenly, oh, right? Now, sometimes you might say... Oh, at the end of a sentence, in which case it's fifth tone, and it's meant to indicate friendliness in a way, like so, but also sometimes, like for example, a parent might say to their child, um, right, which means like, don't forget to say thank you, right, but it's got that oh at the end being like, I'm being polite about it though, you know, and so uh, there's a tone of politeness when it's fifth tone at the end of the sentence, which isn't exactly the same as like oh which means like I understand now. Uh, so think of it like that and you should be good to go. Next, we have three comments from Soren on vocab unlocked from liao, which basically means materials. For example, fei liao is the materials to fertilize. So fertilizer, there's bu liao, which is like cloth materials for making clothing. Uh, you've got um, zhu liao, uh, which would mean like the food you give to pigs because they're zhu 
the food you give to pigs. And so there was a question that he had, and there's a few follow-up questions he had. So I put them all together here. So he says, just a quick one to flag one of the sentences I don't understand. The structure around the second part of this sentence. So if I take the last part in isolation, Google Translate gives don't miss it. I see the contrast of one and shao, of course. I guess it's a way of expressing that they have to eat a lot of fodder. Not sure if right English word. So one means that the characters mean tian one thousand one ten thousand. Now, it's totally understandable why Soren didn't understand this because one actually means must. And it's like kind of a strong version of must. Like, you know, liao. Uh, so like the if you want your pigs to grow fat and good, uh, good and fat, then th what you feed them must not be little. It must like you know, it must be a lot, right? So uh, that must one. There's a feeling to it. It's an adverb, basically meaning like you know it has to, must. It's required certainly, and it's stronger than eating, which is like another more common word that means certainly, but it's. Tianwan is even stronger. And so uh, we didn't cover that earlier in the course. So I can totally understand why uh, Soren would have missed that because it basically fell through the cracks. I mean, this is just an insight into why it didn't get covered is because Tianwan is not actually that common of a word. It's common, but it's not super high frequency. It's not in the top thousand most common words. So we didn't cover it in the foundation course. And so it hadn't come up yet up to this point. Now we're working on this. We're, we're working on ways to address these things and we will very soon. But um, one of the things that Soren gets into here is what should I do when I look at a sentence and I know all the characters, but I still can't figure out the meaning. And one of the things he's been trying to do is check out Google Translate. But, you know, for as a stopgap measure, sending us a question that just says, I don't understand this sentence. What's up with this sentence? And then, um, you know, us answering it on the podcast does do the job of figuring it out. Because think of it this way. This is kind of a little bit meta for those of you watching it on the course later. But when you leave this comment asking about the sentence, now I'm explaining one, and that ends up on the course. So it's a decent way. It's a you know way for us to get in the stuff that we might have missed because, you know, Chinese is a big language. It's very easy to to miss that we didn't cover a certain word in a certain way. But because you asked the question and we addressed it, then it ends up on the course and it doesn't t cost you that much time. So the concern that he goes into in another couple of um, messages here that, I'm, you know, you can check the show notes if you want to see what they specifically were, but they basically come down to in your flashcards, if you don't understand one, then what do you do? Hit good when you don't really understand it or keep hitting again? Well, that's stupid. Why would you get into an again cycle? And so uh, his point being like, what should I do? Well, just leave us a message. We'll get back to you. You'll have the answer within a week usually. And um, you'll also leave leave it for other people in the course. And think about like how many characters or how many sentences you don't understand. I, if I am sh guessing correctly, you say often you don't understand uh, the meaning of a character or a sentence, even though you know the characters, but often is a relative term. Like if you see, if it's every one out of 50 sentences, that can feel like often, but it's really not that often. It's like, you know, every 50 sentences or so, you don't understand a sentence, even though you know all the characters. So when this happens, the key is just flag it, send it to us as a question, be like, hey, 
I don't understand this sentence and then move on because what you don't wanna do is spend the time researching it and trying to figure it out for yourself. Send it to us, we'll tell you whether or not the sentence or what's up with the sentence and why it means what it means. In the meantime, you keep reading because our job is to give you lots and lots of input. You have to have as much input as possible. So get us to deal with the why you just go, I don't really get this and then move on and then we'll get back to you. So that's the you know solution there. And um, you're making great progress. Next, we have Jack Brady on make a movie for which means word. And he's asking this question in the context of the Henze movie method. Shouldn't the actor for be a woman or a female actor? And um, the the answer is no. And the reason why is because does not have the E sound. Usually the letter I is pronounced E in pinyin. Uh, however, for the seven syllables, those seven syllables uh, have an I in the spelling, but not an I in the actual pronunciation. And this has to do with pinyin oddities and those seven syllables. It was just the best vowel to choose to because they made they want they had this rule of like every syllable must have a vowel in it uh so they're trying to cram roman alphabet into chinese sounds you know and that's why there are these oddities that come up but those seven syllables are male actors because they don't actually represent the e sound we want you to know that if there is an e sound in opinion syllable that that for sure means that it is a female actor. That way you see a female actor in your visualization, you go, okay, this syllable, somewhere in it has the E sound. S does not, so we keep it as a male actor. Kairi Shikari on vocab unlocked from tiao, which means to jump or beat. And tiao is probably the most common word for this apart from just tiao meaning to jump, which is to dance. He says in the sentence, 房间里很安静,连心跳声都能听到。is the lian a measure word or is it playing the role of something like even as in even a heartbeat can be heard right so this is basically asking about lian in a grammatical context so lian something do something else means like even this applies so in this case what do we establish at the beginning of the sentence we establish that the fangjian li inside the room han anjing very quiet so that's established in the first half Lian, even, xin tiao sheng, the sound of heartbeat. So xin tiao is your heartbeat. Xin tiao sheng is the sound of your heartbeat. And then we have, so even your heartbeat, do, which is just a pairing with lian. And then do neng ting dao. So neng means able to, ting dao means hear, so able to hear. It's so quiet, even even able to hear your heartbeat would be like the better translation. But if you want to take the direct Chinese, it's like room inside is quiet. Even the sound of even heartbeat sound also able to hear, <laughs> right? So I know it doesn't map onto the English uh, grammar, but that's how it works. John Nomura on bonus connector, expressing exceptions with chula. So this is a gra grammar rule lesson focusing on the chu le particle. And uh, he brings up the sentence, 最近几年,除了有些特别想要宝宝的人以外, 不少人都不太想生宝宝, 
which means in recent years, apart from those who really want to have kids, more than a few people don't really want to have kids. And so he says, do people really talk like this with so many double negatives? 不少人都不太想生宝宝. Literally, not small number of people all not want too much to have a baby. 很多人不想生宝宝. This would be much easier to understand. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if people only spoke in the ways that were easy to understand? But the thing is, 很多人不想生宝宝 is not quite the same meaning. So, first of all, we have 不少人, and we have 很多人. So, 不少人 is the same thing as 很多人, but slightly different tone to it. You know, uh, more than a few, like, um, or, or, you know, kind of like no small amount of people versus a lot of people. It's just two ways of saying the same thing. There might be a slight difference in tone. And then uh, do is very common to see after pluralities of, of people. Uh, it's super common in Chinese. It doesn't apply to English, but, do, you know, it does to Chinese. So it's just one of those things that's worth accepting. So uh, would be more common. Um, but so anyway, 不少人都不太想 versus 不想. That is quite different. Don't really want versus don't want. Don't want 不想生宝宝 is they do not want to have kids. 不太想生宝宝 is don't really want to have kids. So that really is quite a difference because there's sort of a feeling of maybe it would change or maybe there are other factors in play, like maybe what their parents think, right? So um, there's actually nothing really that weird about this sentence. Um, you know, saying 很多人 versus 不少人 is really just a rhetorical thing, um, but there is a significant difference in meaning between 不想 and 不太想. And then the only other difference was 都, and 都, like anytime you have a plurality, people will tend to say 都, so bear that in mind. Alex Samre on Vocab Unlocked from B. This is the character that means pen, or, uh, and it, you'll see it means other things too. Is it more common to use the full Now, or does context clear it all up anyway? So Biji means notes, bun means notebook, and just like in English, bun can also refer to a notebook computer. So a now is a notebook computer. Now, you can drop the now a lot of the time because it's like super clear most of the time whether you're talking about your computer or your actual hand notebook. But where you would say would be like if you needed to make that distinction for some reason. Uh, like you're not, neither of them are on you. And so you want to make clear that what you're talking about is your computer, not your notebook. But like suppose you're in a computer shop they're not going to think you mean a physical notebook. If there's a physical notebook on the table and you say, uh, hey, pass me my notebook, they're not going to think you mean laptop. So yeah, it's mostly contextual. William Beeman on Vocab Unlocked from Yong. Hi, can you explain the difference between Yongbu and Tsonglai and Yongyuan and Zongshi? Tsonglai by itself means since things came to be. That's the way you could think of it. Like, So it's kind of like in all that time, like you can imagine that everything that's happened so far has come. So since things have come, and then you just add in something after it. Now you could say may, which means never happened in the past. So in the past, since time, may, and may is the negation for the past. So never in the past. 
从来不 means doesn't happen currently, right? And then 永不 means doesn't happen ever in any circumstances forever, right? So, um, and of course, people will use it rhetorically sometimes, and it won't actually mean that, and there's always that nuance to language. But yeah, definitionally speaking, that's the main difference. Um, 从来, uh, 从来 can mean always if you don't put anything after it. Uh, then it can mean 从来没, never in the past. So 我从来没跳过山. So that means I've never skydived. But that doesn't mean I will never do it ever. Um, 我从来不吃肉. I do not eat meat. It's not true for me, but like, you know, if I was a vegetarian, I might say that. Um, and 永不 means like never eternally never, right? So um, that's kind of the difference there. And you can tell by just looking at the characters, right? Yong means eternal, eternal not. So whether it's before or after, that's what eternal means. It means all time, it past and present, right? Now, then we have yong yuan and zong shi. Zong shi means always, but oh, it's like usually more specific. It's like, I always eat rice. 我总是吃米饭, right? Versus 我永远爱你, I'll love you forever, right? So it's got this different feeling to it. Um, it's mostly the intensity of it, and uh, 永远 tends to be focused on less specific things and more, you know, uh, it, it gets used much more often in the context of like something that always happens or you always do or whatever. So hopefully that clears up some of those distinctions. And again, I, I think you can tell this from looking at the characters alone. Jonathan Glazer on cha in context. Cha character means poor quality and difference, right? I get confused because the character is described as meaning poor and yet the sentences all relate to difference. Sorry, it's been a long week. Here's how I like to think of cha. So when it's an adjective meaning poor quality, it's really easy to use. It's not hard to use in a sentence. It's just like, you know, this thing, hun cha. It's, you know, in this case, this microphone is very good, but suppose I had a bad microphone, I could say, uh, microphone, hun cha. Meaning that it's very poor quality. And here's how I think of that. There's a standard that it should be of quality. And there's a difference between that standard. There's a cha bie. There's a cha ju. So you're not up to standard. So it's hen cha. And that's referring to quality. And by the way, just as a side note, hao is the opposite of cha, meaning good quality versus bad quality. But Hao can also mean like morally good, like liang hao. And the opposite of that is huai. So like just to bear that in mind, that was a thing that I got confused about a little bit early on. So when you're talking about quality, uh, hao is good and cha is poor. When you're talking about morality, hao is good and huai is bad. Okay, so just bearing that in mind. Now, when it comes to the cha, meaning difference, you have cha bu cha de duo, um, chabie, chaju. There's so many words that are describing differences in length, differences in experience, and all of that. And so there's way more usages for it than just cha, meaning poor quality, which can usually just be this thing, han cha. And so with that in mind, um, that's why there's more sentences that have the cha, meaning difference. And again, I still don't think when it means poor quality that the meaning of difference is totally gone. It's like, here's your standard. Here's your standard, and here's you. That's the difference. It's cha, right? Uh, all right.
Next, we're going to talk about the vocabulary living links section of the podcast. So what this section is, is where we go through individual vocabulary words of two or more characters, and people have left comments about how they're remembering these words. So these could be sound mnemonics, they could be uh, relationships to the English meaning, the Chinese word gives them a Google search that shows them an image that gives them a train of thought to remember the, the, the word. And this is a very eclectic, fun thing to do. So let's see what people came up with this week. So first we have Christopher Millsap on Vocab Unlocked from Xi Xiuxi and Xiuxi Ri which mean rest and day off or rest day, respectively. Here's an idea that resonated for me. Day off, Ferris Bueller's day off. So this is the perfect thing to find an image on Google Images of Ferris Bueller, if you saw that movie. And there's so many you could choose. And this way you're having a connection that comes to something you actually experienced in your life watching Ferris Bueller's day off. The day off is in the title. I mean, like you see, the images and you go Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's just the first thing you think of. You connect that to and put that in your flashcard and you've attached Chinese to something you already know. So uh, it's pretty cool how that can work. Next, Jeff Bryant on Vocab Unlocked from And so means but as in B-U-T. And he says a place for your butt. And of course, but is an English homophone for, uh, you know, as in posterior versus uh, a turn of events. But we're, we can more easily imagine uh, the actual object of a posterior than we can something as abstract as a turn of events. So you can use the more uh, specific thing, the thing that is concrete to connect with via English homophone to the abstract concept. It's very useful and it works quite well. And uh, so you could say, for example, a cushy, cushy place for your butt is good, but a spiky place for your butt is bad. You know, it's just sort of, if you wanted to add even a little bit more to show that what we're talking about here is the B-U-T. Excellent. Next, we have two comments on the same lesson, vocab unlocked from Ding. And so these three means certainly, decision, and uh, not necessarily or not certainly in So first, we have a comment from Jeff Bryant relating to He says, to coin a new term from the old TV show, Judge Judying to come to a final decision. And so if you haven't seen this show before, Judge Judy was a very popular American, I think it was daytime show that uh, actually was in a courtroom. And I don't know if it was just purely drama or there actually were legal consequences to what Judge Judy said, but she was a very like strong and opinionated woman who would come to her final judgments about people in their domestic disputes and things like that. So it's, relates to jueding quite well and the fact that it's judying jueding and jeff's really you know it's quite creative uh well done there jeff and now let's look at rick anglin's uh response on vocab unlocked from ding he says for bui ding sport and life singing it ain't necessarily so ho from porgy and bess or one of the Bible scenes the song mentions. Sure. So uh, coming up with something like not necessarily, ain't necessarily. So 
totally fine. Uh, that's a good way to find an image too. And then that just leaves idung, which just means certainly. And I always think of it as like, certainly will do something, um, you know, idung, idung, eating. You're certainly going to eat every day. You're certainly going to be eating. Uh, so I mean, it's not perfect, but it's pretty close actually. And so that's an example where you might be able to find something for eating. And uh, cool. Jeff Bryant on Vocab Unlocked from An Anchuen. He says, don't give an inch when safety is at stake. So inch when, Anchuen. I really like how Jeff is willing to draw the borders between different words in English so that he can get the sound. You know, Anchuen, Anchuen, Inchuen, Inchuen. And also Anchuen reminds me of the city of Incheon in uh South Korea. Um, so perhaps you can make a connection there if you've been to South Korea. That just occurred to me just now. And so certainly safety, if something is, uh, you know, I would imagine maybe, for example, somebody who uh, creates a roller coaster, uh, they can't get an inch off. Everything has to be, uh, don't give an inch when safety is at stake or make sure uh, you have an inch when you're inspecting safety. I don't know if you get the idea. Just play around with it in your own head and see what fits. Excellent stuff. Next, we have two submissions on Vocab Unlocked from Xing, Bu Xing, Xing Bu Xing, Xing Le, and Xing Wei from Julie. So first she says Bu Xing reminds her of Kim Possible from Disney. This, uh, yeah, this was a cartoon on when I was a kid. And uh, of course, Kim Possible is just right one letter away from meaning impossible, which is what bu xing means, bu xing, uh, impossible, can't, not allowed slash impossible. Um, and so there's both a visual cue and a meaning cue, so totally. And, um, you know, bu xing, it's kind of interesting. Xing is, it's got a very interesting relationship. These, this bu xing, xing, and xing bu xing, they all have slightly different tones to them. So like if somebody asks you to do something and you say xing, it's very friendly. You're just like, okay, possible, no problem, xing. Uh, it has a friendly tone. Saying bu xing is quite unfriendly. It's not necessarily mean, but you're bordering on it. You know, like uh, you're, you're not, you're quite at the, like, cause you, you could just, you could just say bu kui, right? Like, uh, but saying bu xing is like impossible. And, uh, you know, so it can be a little bit brash at certain times. So it's interesting there's that contrast there. But saying xing bu xing at the end of a sentence, which just means possible or not, that is totally acceptable. And like it's, there's no brashes to it whatsoever. So it's kind of an interesting thing. And then xing le, xing le. This one is useful because xing le, it means like enough, xing le. Like we, we've done it. And it kind of is a way of cutting off conversation in a way. Uh, so I would say that, um, you know, using xing le is also back into that kind of slightly brash, you know, it's not impolite, it's just not polite, if that makes sense. All right, so then we have xing wei. Uh, this is another comment from Julie about xing wei. She says, a lot of famous experiments within psychology slash behaviorism, for example, Pavlov's conditioning, Bandura's Bobo doll experiment, or Watson and Little Albert experiment, I use pictures of the experiment. Totally. And um, I remember the Milgram experiment was one. Um, 
uh, and so Xingwei, like the, I, I remember Pavlov's conditioning experiment, uh, but the other two I wasn't familiar with, but I like where Julie's head's at. She's, you know, she's thinking about, okay, behavior, behaviorism, uh, science of behavior. And then she, you know, there you go. You figured out a good image. It really doesn't take long, this stuff. So as you continue to do it, just remember that you can let your brain link, link, link. And then the next thing you know, you got, you have an image. Once you have the image, you're good to go. Jeff Bryant on vocab unlocked from si. So, uh, is like scared to death. And, uh, I don't think that's possible to happen literally. I mean, I suppose you could have a heart attack, uh, after being scared because of the sudden stress, but like, it's a good example of how using the adjective or sorry, um, verb plus meaning like so that to death can be just metaphorical. So xiaowola means like um, you scared the heck out of me. You scared me to death, right? And apparently in the Big Bang Theory, which I never watched, but it's obviously a very famous show, famous show, there's a scene where Sheldon is learning Mandarin and says the exact word when someone scares him. So is like just sort of like Ah, jeez. And then Shasawala scared me to death, right? Very common to hear that. All right. Uh, and there's a YouTube link if you want to see that moment in Big Bang Theory. Vocab unlocked from T, Wen T. So this character, or sorry, this word means both question and problem. So uh, let's see what we come up with here. I questioned him how it went. He said there was a problem. <laughs> nice. So went he, went he, went he. And this is an example where the English border between the sounds is different. You know, in, in Chinese is one t, and of course English is went he. But still, I mean, close enough. There's no h sound in went he, but like still very close. I questioned him how it went. He said there was a problem, and I like how Jeff's getting both of the definitions in there. You can imagine the scenario and uh, yeah, and you could, when you have something good like that, your image in the flashcard could just be something quite simple, a question mark or whatever, you know, not every image has to be the perfect, you know, you knocked it out of the park with this image. If you have a good visualization and a good little pun like that. Jeff on vocab unlocked from Xian, which has Xian Zai, Fa Xian and Xian Jin. I've just discovered the next great fashion model. Fashion, right? And of course, that's kind of the lingo in modeling and acting. It's like, oh, we've discovered the new talents is, you know, so that's kind of a, a good reference there. And so what I like to do when I'm on uh, lessons like this is also talk about the other words uh, which we have xianzai and xianjin. Now, xianjin, this is a really simple mnemonic because it's the now gold. <laughs> That's what cash is. It's the, you know, if you imagine uh, before the United States was off the gold standard, theoretically, you could trade in your cash for gold, but gold is a little bit less liquid, right? You can't just tend to give somebody like a bar of gold, right? You need to convert it into cash first so it becomes liquid and so that it becomes the now gold, the gold that you can use now. And so that's xianjin. I think that makes perfect sense there. And then xianzai, the present location, 
right? The present location in time is right now. And so xianzai, uh, I mean, to be honest, you're not gonna have any trouble remembering xianzai because it's gonna be used all the time. I mean, how often do you say now in language? Um, but uh, now that's what I call music number 753 or whatever it is. I don't know if you guys are familiar with those albums, but they, uh, now that's what I call music has been an album that comes out on a yearly basis. It's basically just the pop tunes of that year. And I suppose that they have alternates, but I remember when I was a kid, it was like now five. Uh, and now I have no idea what number they've gotten to, but it's very high if they're still going. Next, we have Jeff Bryant on Vocab Unlocked from I have an itch to always go straight. I have an itch. I guess he's going itch. Okay, so always go straight. So yeah, means always and uh, straight, of course, is and can mean straight. Like by itself means straight. So means when you use e in this context, it's actually a good thing to know about e. Is that, for example, you could say or you could say That's a good one. And what it means is throughout the entirety of the road. So it's metaphorical. So it's kind of saying like the whole time. Right? And is similar when you have e coming before something like lu or it can have the meaning of all the way. So the all the way through. And so in this way, it's always go straight, all the way through, always, and have an itch to always go straight. I like it. Jeff Bryant on Vocab Unlocked from Jun. Jun So the, um, and by the way, you could just say Junda, meaning like uh, real. And that's just Jun plus D. And it's technically, it's not its own word because uh, it's like, Jinda something, you know, like uh I really like her. It's truly, I truly like her. But you can also say it as a question, just Jinda. Jinda, really? Jinda. And then they put Jinda. And say, so, really? Yes. Um, so but here we're gonna talk about Renjun. She's very serious about her engine. Okay. <laughs> so the end of her an engine. So we can imagine, you could maybe find a picture of Danica Patrick working on her engine. Uh, I'm sure that that's probably out there on Google, right? Because she's obviously uh, a NASCAR driver, or was she Indy 500? I can't remember, but she was, you know, famous for being uh, maybe the first female driver to uh, compete in the NASCAR races or Indy races. And so she, at some point, she's got to have been working on an engine. So a picture of her being very serious about her engine, Renjun, uh, should work. That's great stuff, Jeff. Next, Daniel Stern on Vocab Unlocked from Qi. Yi Qi. Qi Lai. Qi Fei. He says, the first line of the People's Republic of China National Anthem. Qi Lai Bu Yan Zuo Nu Li De Ren Men. That's something like that. I'm not very good at singing. That's the beginning of the Chinese national anthem, and it means, Arise, ye who refuse to be slaves. So, uh, you know, well, no comment. All right, so let's move on. Oh, actually, before I move on, let me just talk about the other two uh, elements of this 
lesson, which are Yiqi and Qifei. So Qifei, easy, just find a picture of a plane that's taking off. Uh, it literally means rise with the result of flight. So it's pretty straightforward. Yiqi. So this is cool because this means together. And use it in that way. Me, he and I, or, or she and I together. So, uh, I'll go together with her. I'll leave together with her. And so you use Ichi in a similar way, not the same word order, but a similar way. But then think about it though. Ichi, one rise. So to rise together in one as one or to rise as one is what together means it just means that you're doing something uh because means rise but it means give rise to as well so like give rise to the connection give rise to whatever it is that you're going to do at the same time as one um so instead of it being your separate entities you're now together and so it's pretty cool how that works now we're gonna to move to the movie scene shares these are the full mnemonic scenes to learn one character and we only have a couple this week the first character is Zhang to swell. This is from Hank Elliott. And he says the actor is going to be his ZH male, which is his son-in-law, Jeremy. And the set is the ANG set, which he relates to a place called Tanglewood. And the, he set third tone on the lawn. Now his props are a fountain on the left side. And then the two other components are bow and long, if you were to break them out. And so I believe that what he's done here is make a long bow out of those two props to represent the entire right side. So he says, my son-in-law Jeremy is on the Tanglewood lawn showing off to the classical music concert crowd just how swole he can get when he works out. He is shooting a very long bow from a water fountain. He looks so jacked as he pulls the string tight then he takes a drink from the fountain and swells up and fires the arrow even further. Gulp, swell, twang, thunk. He's always trying to get swole. I like it. And um, yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, scene. It uses the idea of getting swole at the gym. And uh, I like that. Jong uh, tends to be used in this context of it can be literal, like the the you know, river is swelling up. It tends to also be used in the context of like rising stock market, like the stock market is gaojang, which means like rising. Uh, and so there's got that sense to it as well. So it could be metaphorical or concrete. Next, Hank Elliott on make a movie for Dan or Tan. And he actually did two definitions in one story. So when this character is pronounced Dan, it means bomb or bullet you know, really bomb. And so a bullet is a dan, which means a child bomb. So if you can see how bomb is the better word for it, and then that's why dan for bullet means child bomb. Now, uh, uh, tan is the other pronunciation, and this is the more obvious from the way the character looks. So the character has the bow component on the left, and you pluck bows. So tan means to pluck, and you tan zita, which means to uh, pluck a uh, guitar. That's the verb for playing guitar. As I think I've mentioned before, Chinese has a lot of different verbs for playing your instruments. You know, dagu means to play drums, hit the drums. Chui xiao hao, to blow a trumpet. Tan zi ta, to uh, pluck the guitar. And of course, in English, we would just say play for all of these. Um, uh, la xiao qi qin, 
pull on the violin, right? So again, play the violin in English. And um, is there any others that I can think of off the top of my head? I know you also say tan, gang qin, which is interesting because gang qin is piano, and you say tan, and I think it's because of the harpsichord. So the harpsichord came before the piano, and the harpsichord, it, you play it like a piano, but instead of... Um, Instead of hitting the strings like a piano does, it plucked them. And so that's probably why tan ended up being the verb for playing piano. Anyway, enough tangents. We've got two definitions in one story for both dan and tan. The key word is bullet slash bomb and to pluck. And then we have the actors. Uh, it says my daddy for Dan and Tom Cruise. The set is Andy's house and it's the bathroom and kitchen, right? So like... It would, for Bullet, it's his dad in Andy's house bathroom. And for Tan to pluck, it's Tom Cruise in Andy's house kitchen. Okay. Daddy is in Andy's bathroom firing his bow at the Tom Cruise in the kitchen. He is firing bullets from his bow, which is unusual, but so was my dad. <laughs> Each time a bullet strikes the kitchen... Tom Cruise bends over to pluck the bullet up from the floor, exposing his tan lines in a bright flash of white and tan. Over and over and over, this happens till it's so fast no one can see or hear a thing else. Each rapid, loud dan sound is followed by a flash of white skin tan. Dan tan, dan tan. Nice, I like it. So, um... We've got the bow, we've got the bullets, we've got the plucking, we've got the representations of tan. I am wondering if there is a clear definition of or of what the right side component is here. Because Tom Cruise and his daddy are the actors. The Andy's house is the set, the bathroom and kitchen are the tones. Uh, we've got the bullet is the meaning. We've got the the plucking is the meaning. I'm not seeing here what is the relationship to the right side components. That might be missing. Let's see, we've got a flash. No, that, that's not really... I don't see how that relates to the right side component. So fast, you can't hear anything else. Each rapid, loud, dan sound is followed by a flash of white skin. Well, I mean, I think we might be missing the right side component, but man, this is a great scene even without it. Um, you know, dan meaning single. I always like to imagine Beyonce because of all the single ladies. So we can just add in Beyonce to this scene uh, pretty easily, probably. Um, you know, so how about Andy's dad shooting the bullets from the bathroom with his bow? And uh, Tom Cruise is in the kitchen. And what's happening... Um, <laughs> yeah, what's happening is that Beyonce is uh, catching the bullets with her hand. And Tom, Gr Tom Cruise is plucking them out. And in that moment, that's when his tan lines get shown. So you just adjust the scene slightly. Uh, and again, maybe I just missed where Hank was trying to incorporate the right side component, but either way, I've solved it even if I just missed it. So great stuff from Hank there on Dan and Tan. That will do it for this week's Mandarin Bluebird podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Check out mandarinbluebird.com. If you have any questions, send us a message at podcast at mandarinbluebird.com and we'll see you next week.